Section 2 of Gray's Anatomy, Part 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by M.L. Cohen. Anatomy of the Human Body, Part 4 by Henry Gray. Structure of the Nervous System, Part 2. Structure of the Peripheral Nerves and Ganglia. The cerebrospinal nerves consist of numerous nerve fibers collected together and enclosed in the membranous sheaths. A small bundle of fibers enclosed in the tubular sheath is called a funiculus. If the nerve is of small size, it may consist of only a single funiculus, but if large, the funiculi are collected together into larger bundles of fasciculi, which are bound together in a common membranous investment. In structure, the common membranous investment or sheath of the whole nerve, epineurium, as well as the septa given off from it to separate the fasciculi consist of connective tissue composed of white and yellow elastic fibers, the latter existing in great abundance. The tubular sheath of the funiculi, perineurium, is a fine, smooth, transparent membrane which may be easily separated in the form of a tube from the fibers it encloses. In structure, it is made up of connective tissue, which has a distinctly lamellar arrangement. The nerve fibers are held together and supported within the funiculus by delicate connective tissue called the endoneurium. It is continuous with septae which pass inward from the innermost layer of the perineurium and shows a ground substance in which are embedded fine bundles of fibrous connective tissue running for the most part longitudinally. It serves to support capillary vessels arranged so as to form a network with elongated meshes. The cerebrospinal nerves consist almost exclusively of medullated nerve fibers, only a very small proportion of non-medulated being present. The blood vessels supplying a nerve end in a minute capillary plexus, the vessels composing which pierce the perineurium and run, for the most part, parallel with the fibers. They are connected together by short transverse vessels forming narrow oblong meshes similar to the capillary system of muscle. Fine non-medulated nerve fibers, vasomotor fibers, accompanying these capillary vessels and break up into elementary fibrils which form a network around the vessels. Horsley has demonstrated certain medulated fibers running in the epineurium and terminating in small sevroidal tactile corpuscles or and bulbs of Krauss. These nerve fibers, which Marshall believes to be sensory, and which he has termed nervi nervorum, are considered by him to have an important bearing upon certain neuralgic pains. The nerve fibers, so far as it is present known, do not coalesce, but pursue an uninterrupted course from the center to the periphery. In separating a nerve, however, into its component funiculi, it may be seen that these do not pursue a perfectly insulated course, but occasionally join at very acute angle with other funiculi proceeding in the same direction. From this, branches are given off to join again in like manner with other funiculi. It must be distinctly understood, however, that in these communications the individual nerve fibers do not coalesce, but merely pass into the sheath of the adjacent nerve, become intermixed with it nerve fibers, and again pass on to intermingle with the nerve fibers in some adjoining funiculus. 
nerves in their course subdivide into branches, and these frequently communicate with branches of a neighboring nerve. The communications which thus take place form what is called a plexus. Sometimes a plexus is formed by the primary branches of the trunks of the nerves, as the cervical, brachial, lumbar, and sacral plexuses, and occasionally by the terminal funiculi, as in the plexus formed at the periphery of the body. In the formation of a plexus, the component nerves divide, then join, and again subdivide in such a complex manner that the individual funiculi become interlaced most intricately, so that each branch leaving a plexus may contain filaments from all the primary nerve trunks which form the plexus. In the formation also of smaller plexuses at the periphery of the body, there is a free interchange of the funiculi and primitive fibers. In each case, however, the individual fibers remain separate and distinct. It is probable that through this interchange of fibers, every branch passing off from a plexus has a more extensive connection with the spinal cord than if it had proceeded to its distribution without forming connections with other nerves. Consequently, the parts supplied by these nerves have more extended relations with the nervous centers. By this means, also, groups of muscles may be associated for combined action. The sympathetic nerves are constructed in the same manner as the cerebrospinal nerves, but consist mainly of non-medulated fibers, collected in funiculi and enclosed in sheaths of connective tissue. There is, however, in these nerves a certain admixture of medulated fibers. The number of these latter varies in different nerves and may be estimated by the color of the nerve. Those branches of the sympathetic, which present a well-marked gray color, are composed chiefly of non-medulated nerve fibers intermixed with a few medulated fibers, while those of a white color contain many of the latter fibers and few of the former. The cerebrospinal and sympathetic nerve fibers convey various impressions. The sensory nerves, called also centripetal or afferent nerves, transmit to the nervous centers impressions made upon the peripheral extremities of the nerves. And in this way, the mind, through the medium of the brain, becomes conscious of external objects. The centrifugal or efferent nerves transmit impressions from the nervous centers to the parts to which the nerves are distributed. These impressions, either exciting muscular contraction or influencing the processes of nutrition, growth, and secretion. Origins and Terminations of Nerves By the expression, quote, the termination of nerve fibers, end quote, is signified their connections with the nerve centers and with the parts they supply. The former are sometimes called their origins or central terminations, the latter their peripheral terminations. Origins of Nerves The origins in some cases is single, that is to say, the whole nerve emerges from the nervous center by a single root. In other instances, the nerve arises by two or more roots which come off from different parts of the nerve center, sometimes widely apart from each other. And it often happens, when a nerve arises in this way by two roots, that the function of these two roots are different, as, for example, in the spinal nerves, each of which arises by two roots, the anterior of which is motor, and the posterior sensory. The point where the nerve root or roots emerge from the surface of the nervous center 
is named a superficial or apparent origin. But the fibers of the nerves can be traced for a certain distance into the substance of the nervous center to some portion of the gray matter, which constitutes the deep or real origin of the nerve. The centrifugal or efferent nerve fibers originate in the nerve cells of the gray substance, the axis cylinder processes of these cells being prolonged to form fibers. In the case of the centripetal or afferent nerves, the fibers grow inward either from the nerve cells in the origins of special sense, for example the retina, or from nerve cells in the ganglia. Having entered the nerve center, they branch and send their ultimate twigs among the cells without, however, uniting with them. Peripheral Terminations of Nerves Nerve fibers terminate peripherally in various ways, and these may be conveniently studied in the sensory and motor nerves respectively. The terminations of the sensory nerves are dealt with in the section on sense organs. Motor nerves can be traced into either unstriped or striped muscular fibers. In the unstriped or involuntary muscles, the nerves are derived from the sympathetic and are composed mainly of non-medulated fibers. Near their terminations, they divide into numerous branches, which communicate and form intimate plexuses. At the junction of the branches, small triangular nuclear bodies, ganglion cells, are situated. From these plexuses, minute branches are given off, which divide and break up into the ultimate fibrillae of which the nerves are composed. These fibrillae course between the involuntary muscle cells and, according to Elisher, terminate on the surfaces of the cells opposite the nuclei in minute swellings. In the striped or voluntary muscle, the nerves supplying the muscular fibers are derived from the cerebrospinal nerves and are composed mainly of medullated fibers. The nerve, after entering the sheath of the muscle, breaks up into fibers or bundles of fibers which form plexuses and gradually divide until, as a rule, a single nerve fiber enters a single muscular fiber. Sometimes, however, if the muscular fiber be long, more than one nerve fiber enters it. Within the muscular fiber, the nerve terminates in a special expanser called by Kuhn, who first accurately described it as a motor end plate. The nerve fiber, on approaching the muscular fiber, suddenly loses its medullary sheath. The neurolemma becomes continuous with the sarcolemma of the muscle, and only the axis cylinder enters the muscular fiber. There, it at once spreads out, ramifying like the roots of a tree immediately beneath the sarcolemma and becomes embedded in a layer of granular matter, containing a number of clear oblong nuclei, the whole constituting an end plate from which the contractile wave of the muscular fiber is said to start. Ganglia are small aggregations of nerve cells. They are found on the posterior roots of the spinal nerve, on the sensory roots of the trigeminal, facial, glossopharyngeal, and vagus nerves, and on the acoustic nerves. They are also found in connection with the sympathetic nerves. On section, they are seen to consist of a reddish-gray substance traversed by numerous white fibers. They vary considerably in form and size. The largest are found in the cavity of the abdomen. The smallest, not visible to the naked eye, exist in considerable numbers upon the nerves distributed to the different viscera. Each ganglion 
is invested by a smooth and firm, closely adhering, membranous envelope consisting of dense areolar tissue. This sheath is continuous with the perineurium of the nerves and sends numerous processes into the interior to support the blood vessels supplying the substance of the ganglion. In structure, all ganglia are essentially similar, consisting of the same structural elements, that is, nerve cells and nerve fibers. Each nerve cell has a nucleated sheath which is continuous with the neural lemma of the nerve fiber with which the cell is connected. The nerve cells in the ganglia of the spinal nerves are piriform in shape and have each a single process. A short distance from the cell and while still within the ganglion, this process divides in a T-shaped manner, one limb of the crossbar turning into the medulla spinalis, the other limb passing outward to the periphery. In the sympathetic ganglia, the nerve cells are multipolar and each has one axis cylinder process and several dendrons. The axon emerges from the ganglion as a non-medulated nerve fiber. Similar cells are found in the ganglia connected with the trigeminal nerve, and these ganglia are therefore regarded as the cranial portions of the sympathetic system. The sympathetic nervous system includes those portions of the nervous mechanism in which a medulated nerve fiber from the central nervous system passes to a ganglion, sympathetic or peripheral, from which fibers, usually non-medulated, are distributed to such structures, for instance blood vessels, as are not under voluntary control. The spinal and sympathetic ganglia differ somewhat in the size and disposition of the cells and in the number of nerve fibers entering and leaving them. In the spinal ganglia, the nerve cells are much larger and for the most part collected in groups near the periphery, while the fibers, which are mostly medulated, traverse the central portion of the ganglion. Whereas in the sympathetic ganglia, the cells are smaller and distributed in irregular groups throughout the whole ganglion. The fibers are also irregularly scattered. Some of the entering ones are medulated, while many of the leaving the ganglia are non-medulated. Neuron Theory the nerve cell and its processes collectively constitute what is termed a neuron. And Waldeyer formulated the theory that the nervous system is built up of numerous neurons, quote, anatomically and genetically independent of one another, end quote. According to this theory, the neuron theory, the processes of one neuron only come into contact and are never in direct continuity with those of other neurons while impulses are transmitted from one nerve cell to another through these point of contact, the synapses. The synapse or synaptic membranes seems to allow nervous impulses to pass in one direction only, namely from the terminals of the axis cylinder to the dendrons. This theory is based on the following facts, that is, one, embryonic nerve cells or neuroblasts are entirely distinct from one another. 2. When nervous tissues are stained by the Golgi method, no continuity is seen even between neighboring neurons. And 3. When degenerative changes occur in nervous tissue, either as the result of disease or experiment, they never spread from one neuron to another, but are limited to the individual neurons or groups of neurons primarily affected. 
It must, however, be added that within the past few years, the validity of the neuron theory had been called into question by certain eminent histologists, who maintain that by the employment of a more delicate histologic method, minute fibrils can be followed from one nerve cell to another. Their existence, however, in the living is open to question. Mott and Marinesco made careful examination of living cells using even the ultramicroscope and agree that neither nissel bodies nor neurofibrils are present in the living state. For the present, we may look upon the neurons as the units or structural elements of the nervous system. All the neurons are present at birth, which are present in the adult. Their division ceases before birth. They are not all functionally active at birth, but gradually assume functional activity. There is no indication of any regeneration after the destruction of the cell body of any individual neurons. Fasciculi tracts, or fiber systems, are groups of axons having homologous origin and homologous distribution, as regards their collaterals, subdivisions, and terminals, and are often named in accordance with their origin and termination the name of the nucleus, or the location of the cell body from which the axon or fiber arises, preceding that of the nucleus or location of its termination. A given topographical area seldom represents a pure tract, as in most cases fibers of different systems are mixed. End of section 2